A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello there. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. Here's a new episode for you. Uh, in this one, I'm going to talk to you about my recent holiday in Thailand. And um, to find out all the details and to hear the stories and things, just listen to this episode. Before we start doing that, let me just remind you that the sponsor of this podcast is italki. And that's uh, a fantastic service that you can use to find native speakers or teachers for online English lessons or conversations. And the cool thing about it is that uh, it's all done over the internet. So you can now do it from the comfort of your own home. You can have your lessons in your kitchen or in your living room or wherever you want. And you can choose the schedule that you want. So you can have them at any time of the day. You don't need to leave the house. You don't need to worry about, you know, scheduling all of that. You can just do it all from the comfort of your own home. There are loads and loads of teachers and native speakers out there who are waiting to talk to you. Um, so check out teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk uh, to get started. And you can also benefit from um, a... a uh, a voucher worth 100 italki credits. Um, so teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk uh, or click an italki logo on my website. Now let's start this new episode and here we go. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everybody. I'm back from my holiday. So here is a brand new episode of Luke's English Podcast for you to listen to. If you're new to Luke's English Podcast, then hello and welcome to the show. I have no idea how you found this podcast. It was probably on the internet. That's how it normally happens. I doubt that you actually just tripped over the podcast in the street or anything. Um, that would be weird. Like just walking down the street. <whistles> Whoops. Oh, what's that? Oh, it's, uh, it's, oh, it's Luke's English Podcast. Um, might as well have a look. I doubt that that's what happened. You probably found it online, perhaps through iTunes, or a friend recommended it to you, perhaps. In any case, regardless of how you found this podcast, then welcome. My name's Luke, and this is my podcast. It's primarily for learners of English, although I also have native English speakers listening to this too. In these episodes, I talk to you in a personal way, telling stories, sharing some things about my life, discussing different topics, teaching you English, and also giving you the motivation to improve your English for yourself. I try to keep the podcast varied, and I'm willing to talk about pretty much anything uh, at all, as long as it's interesting. Um, I hope that it's interesting. That's the idea. I'm an English teacher from the UK. I speak British English with a standard accent from the southeast of England. I've been teaching English for more than 15 years, so I have lots of experience to draw upon. Uh, I'm also a stand-up comedian, which means that when I'm not teaching English or doing the podcast, I like to stand up in front of audiences of people and make them laugh with jokes and stories and things. And I regularly perform stand-up comedy shows in Paris, where I live. Um, one of the principles which underpins what I do in episodes of this podcast is the understanding that simply listening to natural, spontaneous speech 
is a vital part of the process of learning English to a good standard. Obviously, you have to get an understanding of the grammar rules, develop an extensive set of active vocabulary, practice pronouncing the language and so on. But doing plenty of listening is an essential foundation. Um, I usually recommend that Luke's English podcast is best enjoyed as part of a balanced study programme. For example, I suggest that you also do plenty of speaking in order to activate the English that you passively pick up from these episodes. There are lots of ways to improve your English, and you can just listen to previous episodes of the podcast to get some of my advice on that. At the very least, you can just relax and enjoy listening to my words on a regular basis. And I hope that it's a fun process too. Certainly, I'm sure that my podcast can really help all the other aspects of your English, not just your listening. Um, I also believe it's important to, to listen to English, which is spoken at a pretty natural speed, which is spontaneous, for example, not always written from a script. And I think that you should listen regularly for fairly long periods, long term. So try to make it a part of your lifestyle to listen regularly and don't give up. Um, probably the best way to listen to the podcast is to use some sort of podcasting app on your phone. So you can use things like just the iTunes podcast app, or I think Google now have their own sort of uh, Google uh, podcasting uh, application. But there are lots of others as well. For example, you could try Acast, which is available at acast.com. And that will allow you to find all the episodes of the podcast and download them as well, so that you can listen when you don't have internet or something. Um, you can also try Pocket Casts, which is an app that I use. Uh, and there are lots of other podcasts um, podcast applications that you can get. Um, also, you can visit the website teacherluke.co.uk where you'll find things like uh, vocabulary notes and transcripts to parts uh, of the episodes and there's lots of other stuff going on there. So um, just get, get, the, get the episodes on your phone, listen when you're out and about and visit the website and check out uh, the other content there and you can uh, leave messages and have conversations and things. Um, now, I want my podcast to help you to do all the things I said before, you know, like making it part of your lifestyle, uh, allowing you to listen long term, uh, you know, regularly. I want my podcast to help you to do that. And so I try to make my episodes genuine, personal and humorous. So if you are new to the podcast, then welcome and thank you very much for listening. I hope that you stick with it. I believe that if you do continue to listen, then you'll see significant results in your English. Um, check out the episode archive on my website, and you'll see that you have plenty of other episodes to explore and enjoy. And if you're not new to the podcast, and you are in fact a long-term Lepster, then welcome back. And how are you? I hope you're all right. I hope you're fine. I hope you're well. Uh, did you have a good August? Um, I wonder if uh, it, it's the summer where you are. If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, then August is winter. So I don't know if you've been, you know, sort of snuggling up indoors trying to keep warm. Um, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, I imagine it's been uh, the usual hot August. I don't know. What's it been like where, where you are? Um, here in Paris, there's been a heat wave, but we missed that completely by uh, going away on holiday. But apparently it was really hot here. Uh, it's, it's still really nice, actually. It's blue sky, sunshine not too windy. It's very nice. And it's very nice to be back. Um, so um, did you manage to listen to all of the episodes that I published before I went away? 
Um, I did upload uh, loads of episodes uh, in the week or so before I, I went on holiday. Um, so I hope that you've listened to all of those things as well. Um, and in any case, here is a new episode of this podcast, and it's about my recent holiday in Thailand. That's right, we went to Thailand this year, and I'm going to tell you all about it in this episode. Um, I should say, first of all, hello to any uh, Lepsters, any listeners of this podcast who are in Thailand. Hello, special hello to you. Thank you for your generous hospitality um, over the last few weeks. Now, you might not have personally given me hospitality, but generally the country is very welcoming. Uh, Thailand is known as the land of smiles. And it's it's true. People are very smiley. uh, They're very friendly and uh, they've got a good sense of humour and they're very welcoming uh, too. So special hello to the people of Thailand. Um, So in this episode, I'll tell you about the holiday. um, uh, But in fact, more specifically, I'm going to talk about these things. So first of all, I'll talk about why we went to Thailand, then where we went. Um, uh, I'm going to talk about the the things that most people know about Thailand, the standard sort of preconceptions. Uh, I'll also talk about some things that you might not know about Thailand, so a few little facts and things about the country. Um, I'm also going to give a few anecdotes about what we did and what we saw during the holiday. There will be a few uh, there will be a few dodgy jokes, of course, in along the way. Uh, there will also be an embarrassing story involving some nudity. Um, I'm not going to tell you more until I actually tell that story. Um, there, uh, I'm going to talk about a sad old memory that came back to me uh, at a specific moment in the trip. And finally, at the end, there will be some mouse-related news. There's a mouse-related update. And if you heard the last episode of this podcast, that will make sense to you. So there will be some mouse news at the end there. I've got no idea how long this episode will be, but uh, I can just split it up into different chapters and it's all fine. So we got back to Paris. We got back home just the other day, um, like about a day and a half ago. I'm still feeling a bit jet lagged, you know, jet lag. So I've got, I've still got a bit of jet lag. I'm still feeling jet lagged. Um, I woke up at stupid o'clock this morning. It was just, I don't know exactly what time it was, but it was stupidly early. I just, my body just woke up at stupid o'clock because my body's still on Thailand time. So at about, I don't know, four or five o'clock, my body just woke up and basically my body was going, hey, it's time to go. We're on holiday, right? Let's get up. It's time to go walking around temples in very hot temperatures. We're on holiday. And, uh, I was, my mind was going, no, 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 the holiday's over, just go, go back to sleep, please, I need to sleep, and my body's like, no, we need to have breakfast, and, and go walking, and start sweating, and, and I'm kind of like, no, 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 you're going back to sleep, um, so that's when I woke up this morning, um, no doubt I will randomly fall asleep at some point this afternoon, when my body decides that it's bedtime, maybe even halfway through this, this podcast, they'll be talking, and then suddenly, I'll just drop off to sleep at some point. Who knows? Jet lag is a strange thing, but I feel okay at this moment. Um, I do have a suntan, or looking at my arms, well, I used to have a suntan. I certainly did about a day and a half ago. I had a quite a nice brown suntan, um, but um, uh, I'm, I'm a typical English man. I mean, I'm, I'm a very white English man. So I have a slightly tricky relationship with suntans. First of all, I can't get too much sun. I've got to protect my skin. So often I, you end up putting sort of lots of sun protection stuff, you know, um, sunscreen on. 
and um, and that sort of means that you don't get a full tan because you're constantly protecting yourself from it. Uh, also, you burn easily if you don't put the the, the lotion on. Um, and then when you finally do get a tan, when it starts to set in, invariably what happens is you get a kind of all these tan lines in certain places. Now, walking around Thailand, I was generally wearing a T-shirt and a pair of shorts. And so the bits that were exposed to the sun are nicely tanned. The rest of it is just as white as normal. It's just like winter-level whiteness. So if I take off my T-shirt, I've got these horrendous tan lines. So I've got this perfect line around the back of my neck, and it's, you know, nice and brown at the top. And then there's a perfect line. It's just white and the same thing uh, the sleeves of my arms and my legs where my shorts were so you know i look great in a t-shirt and a pair of shorts um and that will probably last another five minutes because my suntan doesn't doesn't last i'm sure that quickly i'll just go straight back to being the pasty faced uh white englishman um as soon as uh probably by the time this episode's finished my suntan will have died I imagine. But at the moment, I'm enjoying a sort of slight sense that I, that I have exposed myself to the sun without dying. Um, now, um, just before we start, you will find some of this episode transcribed on the episode page on my website. Not all of this is transcribed, but a lot of it is. And you can read my notes there too, which might be a good way to check out the spelling of any words that you hear me use. Uh, they might be written on the page. Uh, and by the way, if you're just reading this, if you're not actually listening, if you're just reading this, then I strongly recommend that you that you listen instead of reading, because this is an audio podcast. It's not for reading. Uh, remember that anything that's written here is supposed to be is supposed to just accompany what I'm saying in the audio recording. But you should be listening, uh, not just reading. Although what you could do is listen, and then later on read without listening, and then listen again, or listen then read, then listen and read. And then, you know, just mix it up a bit. There's lots of things you can do with the notes and transcriptions that you can find. So why did we choose to go to Thailand? Why didn't we choose to go to another place like, for example, your country? Uh, well, um, let's see. So Thailand. Well, my wife and I wanted to go somewhere sort of exotic and far away uh, because we want to explore places which are a bit further away that with a slight sense of adventure to them. Now, Thailand uh, these days is a very popular tourist destination. So it's not the most adventurous holiday that you can have. I mean, there are other countries in that region which uh, have been less explored and there's less of a tourist sort of infrastructure. But um, that's kind of one of the things that was appealing about it because we wanted somewhere that was like a bit different where we could go and see new things and have slightly adventurous experiences but somewhere also where we could just go around being tourists and it was like a holiday as well and so Thailand seemed to be the right destination also we want to explore places like that which are a bit further before we have children for example because although it is possible to travel long distances with kids and to travel to places like that with them it's a bit more complicated and i imagine that when we do get kids we will take advantage of holidays destinations in france in the uk a bit closer to home that kind of thing like when i was growing up uh, we never went abroad, really, on holiday. We used to go to France sometimes, the south of France, but not until I was about, I don't know, 15, 16 years old did we 
No, maybe a bit, maybe a bit younger than that. But generally, our summer holidays would be spent either in France or in some British destination. Like we'd go to Wales, the, the Welsh coast, or we'd go to Scotland. And we'd always, my parents would always end up taking us to these completely uh, remote places, like as far away from all human contact as possible. And we'd be sent to some little shack on the side of a Scottish mountain or something. Uh, and that's where we'd spend our two weeks. Um, but um, yeah, no, these days, these days we'd like to go abroad more and see new things. And it was just a break and a chance to get away from it all. Uh, we'd never been to Thailand before. I have been to Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, um, Indonesia. We, we, The two of us went to Indonesia two years ago. Uh, if you've listened to the podcast I did about that, you, you'll remember that. And that, that involved some drama. Do you remember? It was quite a dramatic episode uh, involving the climbing of a mountain. We climbed up a volcano two years ago, and it was like an epic sort of life-changing uh, near-death near experience almost, and uh, very dramatic. Um, also, we had a drama last year in our uh, honeymoon in, in California when we were climbing in um, Yosemite National Park, and um, there's a bit of an adventurous story relating to that as well. Uh, you can go back and listen to those episodes if you want to find out more. But this one, this holiday, didn't have a moment of sort of em- emergency or drama in it. It was it was fairly easy going. Um, and um, also, we like food, the two of us. We like eating good and tasty food. And Thailand is famous for its good food. And that's another reason why we went. And also... Thailand's just a, a good destination. It's quite diverse in terms of the things that you can do. Uh, for example, there's the city, you know, Bangkok. You can explore this extremely busy, uh, huge city and all the things that that's got to offer. There's also the sort of the culture, uh, the food and the art and, and other things like that. And you can find that in places like particularly in the north where there are lots of temples and, and things like that. And then in the south, there are these beaches, these islands with like beautiful sunny beaches and stuff like that. And also, at the moment, Thailand's not too expensive. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little more expensive than it used to be, but it's, it's um, on a European budget. It's, you know, a, a reasonable thing to do uh, for a couple of weeks. So some of you might be thinking, especially if you are from Thailand, uh, from Bangkok, for example, you might be thinking to yourself, why didn't you do one of those Luke's English Podcast World Tour live events? You should have told us that you'd be in Thailand so we could get together and do a live event. Well, the thing is that this time I was on holiday, all right? So I wasn't working. It was an absolute holiday, a break from everything. And that means that I didn't organise some sort of Lepster meetup or a live podcasting stand-up comedy extravaganza or anything. Uh, I just chose to just genuinely take a couple of weeks out so I didn't have to worry about all that kind of thing. Uh, I didn't meet up with Ollie Richards because I've learnt since that Ollie was in Thailand as well and I didn't meet up with him. Um, uh, he was out there learning Thai. Um, so no, I didn't do any of that kind of thing. It was all just about walking around, uh, visiting temples, sweating, um, exploring street food markets, sweating, uh, worrying worrying about food poisoning, uh, enjoying beautiful sunsets, sweating a bit more, going to the beach and sweating there, learning how to cook local food while sweating, um, eating the local food with lots of chilli, which obviously makes you sweat even more, doing yoga uh, while sweating and meditating, uh, drinking lots of water and also sweating as well. Yes, there was quite a lot of sweating involved. 
um, which really is just the average holiday abroad for a British person. Also, drinking beer as well. I did that, and I and I did some sweating uh, too. So, uh, where did we go? Um, where did we go? Well, in a nutshell, here are the places we went to, and I'm going to try not to go on about all the the details you know you know when someone like your friend has come back from holiday and you're like hey let's meet up yeah tell me about the holiday and you sit down and they tell you every single detail and they show you 679 photos and you're like uh stop so i'm going to try not to do that instead i'm going to just break it down into the basics and just tell you a few stories but before we do the stories and stuff um let me just tell you basically where we went so we started off in bangkok uh, which is obviously the capital city and it's sort of in the center ish in terms of sort of like from north to south it's kind of in the middle basically and we went there for a few days uh and then we uh went north to chiang mai which is another city but in the north and uh we stayed there for a few days and then we traveled down south to one of the islands uh called koh samui and we stayed there for a few days and then we went to bang we went back to bangkok for a few days and then we went home and uh so that's the end of the podcast um hope you enjoyed uh, listening to that not really that was just it in a nutshell. Um, now, that what I've described, that's a pretty typical tourist route. Generally, you start with Bangkok in the middle, which is, um, you know, the city and all the crazy things that happen there. And then you, you go north where there are temples, treks into the forest, elephants, night markets, cooking classes and stuff all in the north. And then travel south to the islands where you can, you know, visit the beaches, you can go diving and snorkeling, and you can go to full moon parties and stuff like that. That's in the south. So city in the middle, culture in the north, beaches and parties in the south. All right. Um, Now, we didn't go to the islands on the west because generally there are sort of islands on the west and a few islands on the east. We didn't go to the islands on the west, places like Phuket, because of the climate in August. It's kind of monsoon, rainy season in August, and the western islands get lots of rain. So we avoided them, and we stuck to um, the sort of eastern side. Um, Also, just before we left, and even while we were there, uh, there were some explosions, some attacks, some bombings, uh, which was a bit worrying. In fact, the, the first bombing took place just a day or so before we were due to leave, and we did consider not going. Um, and we thought, well, you know, then we thought, well, we live in Paris. So we've got as much chance of being blown up here as in Thailand. So we thought, well, what the hell? Let's just go to Thailand. But even when we were there, there was a, a couple of cases of, of bombing attacks too. Now, I understand that that is a local issue. There's a local political uh, reason behind those attacks. Uh, but when we were there, we, you know, came across no trouble uh, or anything like that. There was no no sense of there being any crime or danger, really, at uh, most times. In fact, our time there was very pleasant and very peaceful indeed. Now, um, before I talk to you about some st- some stuff that happened, uh, let me tell you a few facts and things about Thailand. Since, um, since I just spent about two and a half weeks there, I thought it would be uh, worth talking a little bit about the country and what it's like and what you might or might not know about it. So let's start with the thing, the usual things that people think about Thailand. So these are the, the uh, preconceptions that people have about Thailand. Whether or not they've been there, it seems certainly in sort of 
places like the UK, there's a general view of what people expect about Thailand. And so the most typical cliches or stereotypes about it seem to be that it's busy, it's crowded, there's amazing food, uh, specifically green curry and pad thai to uh, pad thai noodles. Uh, there's also the idea that there is weird sex tourism in Bangkok. Uh, also ladyboys, uh, bizarre sex shows involving ping pong balls, full moon beach parties, buckets full of ridiculously full cocktails, kickboxing, uh, temples, Buddhist monks in orange robes, and Western people being locked up in prison for drug possession, scooters, uh, Sagat from Street Fighter 2, you know the character from Street Fighter 2, Sagat, Tiger, 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 Uppercut, you know that guy, he's from Thailand, uh, snakes, golden Buddha statues, amazingly friendly and smiling people, and the movie The Beach, starring Leonardo DiCaprio. So that's, I think, would be most people's, certainly in the UK, they're, they're sort of like Pinterest picture board of what Thailand is for them. Um, but let me just tell you a few things that you might not know about uh, uh, Thailand. Now, the, the things that I just mentioned there, they're obviously sort of stereotypes, and they're partly true in my experience, but obviously it's not the full picture, especially for the local people, and there's a lot more to Thailand than those preconceptions. And I'll go into more detail about it, what it's really like in this episode. Um, here are some things that you might not know about Thailand, okay? Um, so a list of, of things that you might not know. So Bangkok is the capital city, but what is the full name of Bangkok? The full name is actually the longest city name in the world, and I'm not going to try and pronounce it because I okay, I'll try, but I'm telling you it's oh, it's about 3 lines long this name, the, the longest city name in the world. Krung Thep Mahanakon Amon No, I can't do it, but I did find someone who can. So this is a video of someone explaining how to pronounce that city name properly. Right, that's actually an advert in French that you can hear. But you know what, we're going to listen to the French, I think it's a toothpaste advert, before we hear how you pronounce the longest city name in the world. Et Yvette très consciencieusement ses déchets depuis un an. So Yvette is based... Oh, never mind the advert, I'm skipping the advert. Okay, here's how you pronounce Bangkok in Thai. Ready? Here we go. Rumte Mahanakon Amon Ratanakosid Mahintara Utea Mahadilopo No Para Ratatani Burirom Udom Rachaniwe Maha Satan Amon Piman Awatan Satit Sakatatia Witsanukam Presip the city of angels, the great city, the residence of the emerald Buddha, the impregnable city of Ayutthaya, of God Indra, the grand capital of the world endowed with nine precious gems, the happy city abounding in an enormous royal palace that resembles the heavenly abode where reigns the reincarnate God, a city given by Indra and built by Vishnakarn. Wow, that's that's not so much a whoops, that's not so much a name of a city as a, as a whole TripAdvisor review for a city, isn't it? Um, amazing. So, yeah, there you go. The longest city name in the world. That's the real name of Bangkok. Um, second thing, Thailand, uh, the country name, or I think in Thai that's Prathet Thai. That's how they say it. Thailand actually means land of the free. Land of the free. And that leads us on to number th uh, point number three, 
So land of the free, and then point number three, uh, is that Thailand has never been colonised by a foreign power. That's why they call themselves the land of the free, because they, they've never been colonised by a foreign power. Unlike other neighbouring countries, um, which were colonised by European nations like Britain, France and the Netherlands, Thailand had a few wars with Burma, but was never successfully invaded and it was never colonised by any, any other country. So well done, Thailand. Uh, and that's why they call themselves the land of the free. Uh, point four is that Thailand has more than 1,400 islands. More than 1,400 islands. And the most famous ones are in the south and they are beautiful. Um, probably the most well-known island is Koh Phi Phi, which is where the beach was filmed that's that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, um, directed by Danny Boyle, uh, The Beach. That was filmed uh, on one of the islands. And uh, by the way, The Beach, we watched it while we were there. We thought, well, we're in Thailand, let's watch The Beach, yeah? That's not how we talk to each other. Hey, yeah, yeah, we're in Thailand, yeah, let's watch The Beach. That's not how I talk to my wife. I don't know, I don't know why I did it like that, you know, just, hey... It's kind of, hey, I'm on holiday, I'm relaxed. Hey, let's watch the beach, oh, what do you say? And she was like, yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. Hey, yeah, you've become an Italian mafia guy. Hey, I don't know why, for some reason in this in this situation, I talk to my wife in, and she talks to me as if we are Italian mafia bosses. Hey, uh, hey you want to watch the beach? You want to watch the beach with me? Uh, what do you say? What do you say? She's like, yeah, it's a pretty good idea. Let's watch the beach already. Um... So, The Beach, by the way, is a rubbish film. It's terrible. It's awful. And I thought, Leonardo DiCaprio, he's good. Danny Boyle, brilliant. But in fact, no, this one's a bit of a stinker. So, avoid The Beach. Although it's, it's beautiful, but a bit of a rubbish film. Uh, point number five. It's illegal to leave the house in Thailand without underwear on. You have to be wearing underwear. So, it's illegal to leave the house without wearing underwear. Okay. Random. Now, to be honest, that one didn't really impact on my experience very much. It's not like, you know, we were leaving the house. Like, hey, you're leaving the house. I'm leaving the house. Hey, you've got your underwear. Oh, shit, I forgot my fucking underwear. That never actually happened. Um, but apparently there it is. There's a law. I never, never saw evidence of it being a problem. And I don't know why. I don't know why they would make that illegal. I suppose it's just health, you know, sort of health issue, right? You've got to leave the house with underpants so that there's at least one cotton layer between your bum and your trousers for health reasons. Um, but there it is. Now, I don't know how they enforce that law either. If you're a police officer and you're trying to make sure that, you know, no one's left the house without underwear on, um, how do you do that? Are you kind of doing random, random bum checks, random underpant checks? I don't know. Certainly no one gave me a random bum check, uh, <laughs> I'm glad to say. Um, well, yeah, 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 pretty much. Anyway, so that's an interesting law. Every country's got these weird laws. I'm probably just picking on a specific thing. It's just, I just said that to be funny, okay, Thai people. Okay, it's right, you can take a joke. You've got a good sense of humour. Now, number six. Uh, thai currency is called the baht, and it's illegal to step on Thai currency. It's illegal to step on it. Now, you might be thinking, well, I don't go around stepping on currency much anyway, so that's not really a problem. Fair enough. But the point is that uh, uh, the reason why it's illegal to step on any Thai money with your foot is, is because of the high level of respect that the Thai people have for their royal family. Uh, 
Um, and like in the United Kingdom, a picture of the monarch appears on every banknote. And the image of the monarch cannot be desecrated. It can't be damaged or something. You can't intentionally damage a picture of the monarch. That's the main problem. So in fact, it's a crime to disfigure a picture of the king or queen in any way. And that includes stepping on their image on a banknote. Now, Thailand is a constitutional monarchy, a bit like the UK. And they hold their king and queen in very high esteem. They love their royal family. And there are lots and lots of images of the king and queen all over the country. Uh, And sometimes you even find little shrines in the street devoted to them, where there's a picture of the Queen or something and then a little frame around it and maybe some flowers and candles and things. Uh, it's very nice. So in Thailand, uh, they, it seems, it certainly seems that they love their uh, royal family. Moving on to point number seven, and this is that thing that you might have heard before, which is about the feet. And in fact, in Thailand, the feet are considered to be very unclean, both clinically in terms of you know cleanliness and spiritually as well. And so it's very rude to reveal the soles of your feet to anyone. So don't sit with your feet facing outwards or put your feet up on the table when you're relaxing like we do in the West sometimes. It's also rude to point at people with your feet, which is fine, isn't it, really? Because I I literally never do that anyway. I'm never pointing at people with my feet. So that's fine. It wasn't a problem. Um, so similarly... Uh, Point eight, the head is the highest point on the body and is considered to be sacred. So don't touch it, slap it, poke it or whatever. Don't touch someone's head. It's considered to be a sacred part of the body. In the West, for example, in England, you might rub someone on the top of the head. Like, oh, you know, rub someone on the top of the head as a sign of, of affection. Maybe as a kid, you might like, you know, pat a child on the head or rub his head. Or you might rub someone's head. It's sort of a sign of affection. Or you might whack someone round the back of the head. You might hit someone round the back of the head in order to express annoyance. Like my brother and I do that with each other. Just sort of whack each other around the back of the head like that sometimes. Or friends, you know, we sort of hit each other in the head a little bit. But don't do that in Thailand, okay? Now, to be honest, that wasn't a problem either because I wasn't going to do that. Uh, you know, I, I rarely touch the head of random strangers that I meet in public. I certainly wouldn't slap the back of the head of someone, just some guy, like a waiter. I don't think I would ever actually do that. So, for example, uh, waiter, excuse me. Um, yes, we asked for two bowls of rice and you just gave me one. Yeah, can we have another one? Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, slap. There you go. Off you go. No, I wasn't going to do that anyway. But um, it's just, you know, interesting, isn't it? The cultural differences. Feet are considered to be really dirty, which they probably are if you've been walking around. And the head is like, you know, holy, don't touch it, don't slap it, and things like that. All right. So don't point at people with your feet or slap people in the head, which, you know, is not a problem for most people. And unless you're one of those people who can't stop pointing at people with your feet and then slapping them in the head. And if honestly, to be honest, if you're doing that anyway, even if you're not in Thailand, that is a bit weird and not really socially acceptable. So don't do that in any country, especially in Thailand. Um, Now, point number nine is that 95% of people apparently... According to the internet, 95% of people in Thailand are Buddhist. And it's quite common to see Buddhist monks walking around. And in fact, um, we talked to a Buddhist monk um, during our holiday. And I'll explain a little bit later on about what he said. Also, there are Buddha statues everywhere. It's Buddha statues everywhere. 
especially in places like Chiang Mai, especially when you're walking around markets and things, there are thousands of Buddha statues. It's just Buddha, 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 all right? That's a lot of Buddhas. So, you know, climb to the top of a mountain, there's a Buddha. Go inside a cave, a Buddha there as well. Under a nice tree, oh, there's a nice tree. What's underneath it? Buddha. Inside this big temple, loads of Buddhas. In front of that big Buddha statue there, lots of other Buddhas. In front of them, yep, more Buddhas. There are Buddhas everywhere. Do you get the point? Which is great. You know, they are beautiful things. Um, they're, they're beautiful, peaceful images. And honestly, of all the religions, I think that Buddhism perhaps makes the most sense for me personally. You know, I guess the idea is just try to reach a higher level of consciousness. The aim of Buddhism, in fact, is to try to get, to get into nirvana. Um, it's trying just try and get into nirvana. Now, there's a joke just waiting to be to be made there, isn't there? Like the the ultimate aim of Buddhism is to, to get into nirvana. So, um, you know, you could make that one up. Like, uh, although uh, I don't imagine there. Uh, now, a bad joke would be the aim of Buddhism is to get into nirvana, and I heard that it's possible because there's a there's a spare space. They need a guitarist. No, all right, okay, stop making jokes. Okay, then. So, yes, the aim of Buddhism seems to be pretty good for me. Just reach a higher level of consciousness, realize that everything is connected and that there's one universal vibration which passes through the entire universe, which is why Buddhist people go om, om, like that when you meditate, because you're connecting with the uh, eternal vibration of everything. It's pretty, pretty uh, far out, man. Um, and reject selfish and materialistic urges in favour of achieving individual spiritual enlightenment and sit around, cross-legged on the floor, and just chill. It's good. It's fine. I'm fine with that. Um, And number 10, uh, Thailand is a very hot place, especially Bangkok. The hottest time of year is April, where apparently temperatures rise to uh, 40 degrees Celsius or more with very high humidity levels too. And in August, it's in fact the rainy season, but it still gets really hot. And it doesn't rain all the time. It just usually rains in the evening and it gets very hot. It was regularly in the high 30s and it felt like it was hotter with very high levels of humidity again. Um, so there are some rain showers and, and they tend to happen in the evenings. And they're in fact a welcome break from the heat. So if you want to read more about Thailand, you can check it out on the internet um, where you can find stuff about everything. It's amazing. Go onto this thing called Wikipedia. You can find loads of information and you might find a link actually on the page for this episode. Uh, So Bangkok, that's where we started. Now there are lots of stories about Bangkok, aren't there? You know, you hear things about what happens there. Like, you know, you hear stories about the dodgy ping pong shows, you know, you want ping pong show? That's what people say when they come back from Thailand. They're like, oh my God, we went to this place and there are all these people in the street and they're all going, you want ping pong show? And we're like, no, we don't want ping pong show. What is ping pong show? And then they go and see the ping pong show and then they're like, oh my God, that was unbelievable. So, um, of course, not everything is like that, you know. There are stories of sex tourism and other weird and lewd things. But of course, not everywhere is like that. In fact, the vast, vast majority of Thailand is nothing like that at all. And um, in fact, most people are like really sort of just um, 
oh, I don't know. You just you never get the impression that that could even happen in the city. It's just a very weird, obscure thing. Uh, difficult to understand. But we managed to avoid the do- the dodgy tourist parts, such as uh, Pat Pong, which is a district of, of Bangkok where you find these weird sex shows. Now, now, while I am admittedly fairly curious to learn about the bizarre skills that some women have developed, I mean... You know, some of the things are, in fact, they're quite impressive, in fact. For example, apparently in these shows, some women are able to launch ping pong balls across the room, not using their hands, if you know what I mean. And, and some of them can even write letters with a paintbrush or pen, again, not with their hands. Now, that's actually quite impressive. I, I mean, in terms of the skill level, I think it's really, really... I mean, I have to say, I don't know if you've, I know what you think if you're from Thailand or if you're from somewhere else. I'm just giving my personal viewpoint. I have to say, all that stuff is really weird. I really don't understand uh, where that comes from and what also what the appeal is. Some people are really interested in seeing that kind of thing, but I just think that's so bizarre. I don't really need to see it, you know, although it is sort of impressive from a technical point of view. I don't think that's ever going to get into the Olympics. Uh, that's what I'm saying. You know, it, it it could it could be an event, but obviously that would never ever happen because it's just so socially unacceptable in most other cultures or parts of the world. So anyway, you know, I'm not judging. I'm just saying that for me personally, it's not something I wanted to see. Um, and also, I've heard stories that apparently the people who run shows like that are quite dodgy. They're untrustworthy individuals, and they they trick you, they lure you into their places to see the show with, with false prices, and then when you try to leave they force you to pay a lot of money and it gets pretty ugly so no thanks no ping pong shows for us um so generally bangkok is for me is a sort of a mix between places like vietnam cambodia and stuff and and with more modern places like japan seem to be a sort of mix of the two in bangkok i find that there is still the chaotic sort of slightly sketchy um sort of uh i don't know uh the chaotic sketchiness that you get in big cities in Vietnam or Cambodia, for example, you know, lots of scooters and sort of, you know, lots of street food markets on the on the side of the road and people sitting sort of on little plastic chairs in the street and eating the street food and the usual noise and the sort of the lots of traffic and stuff like that. Um, it was a bit like that, but also... Uh, some areas were like really modernised and it felt like I was in Japan again. Uh, you know, very modern sort of uh, shopping centres and sort of everything's very conveniently catered for and everything's sort of very clean and, and, and new looking. Uh, so a mix of, of those things, um, uh, particularly sort of some areas in the east of Bangkok. Uh, we played, we stayed in a place called uh, Thong Law and that was very nice indeed. Um, but generally in Bangkok, the streets are vibrant and chaotic and noisy and a bit smelly. There's like all these different smells and things all the time. It's quite a polluted place with all, all the uh, all the transport. It's full of life. There are scooters and cars everywhere. Crossing the road is a bit of a, uh, a, a nightmare. You just have to walk out in front of the traffic and it will stop. Normally in back home, you wait for the traffic to stop and then you go out. But here you just sort of walk out into the road and the traffic will stop or go around you. So that takes getting used to. Also, nobody seems to walk around the city at all. 
everyone is on scooters or in cars or other forms of transport, but not no one seems to walk that far. So if you've got somewhere far to walk, just get on the scooter. So it's like every individual's got a scooter and the traffic is very busy. Um, there's also an amazing metro system called the SkyTrain, uh, which is really modern and really great um, and like really efficient and easy to use. Also, they've got lots of uh, other forms of transport, like you know the the well-known tuk-tuks. These are the sort of rickshaw motorbike things, three-wheeled motorbikes uh, with space in the back, and and you get in the back, and they're famous. They look really cool in Bangkok. Some of the tuk-tuks look amazing. They've got like shining lights they look all bling bling and everything like that it's quite funny so there are tuk-tuks and taxis and other kinds of transport Uh, and in bangkok uh there's lots of street food especially in places like chinatown loads and loads of street food with people cooking all sorts of things on little mobile carts in the street for example chicken skewers lots of types of seafood um noodles fruits like fresh fruits like mango and some other things that i just didn't recognize people a lot of people uh eat in the street uh, a lot of the local people sit in the street and they eat there sitting on little plastic chairs and eating on from these tables um we stayed in chinatown for a few nights and that was really cool because there's uh, uh, uh loads there are loads of little street food markets every night selling sort of a mixture of Thai food and Chinese food. And we walked around there a couple of nights and had some of the the food and we had some delicious things, including some sort of coconut ice cream, which is prepared using liquid nitrogen. So they pull out this frozen uh, coconut with coconut milk uh, from this little bin and then they pour liquid nitrogen on it and it's pouring all this smoke off. This kind of uh, it's vapor, I suppose, comes pouring off it, and you hold this coconut ice cream in your hand with all this vapor everywhere. That was quite far out. Plus, just all the other stuff, all the noodle dishes and things. Like we had some wonton soup with noodles, and it had some meat in it. I had no idea what the meat was. Uh, it tasted great. No idea what it was. Uh, and also lots of other bizarre things, uh, like for example, um, you know, in Chinatown, you always there are always lots of orange ducks like ducks that have been cooked and they're orange or brown hanging up and other things as well. Like there was this place with like all these ducks hanging there. And then there was like a, this is a bit disgusting unless you're Chinese, because if you're Chinese, this might be just normal. But for me, it was like quite shocking. Like, oh my God, what's that? And I looked at it and it was like the the face of a pig, like the head of a pig, but without any of the bones. So just the face of the pig, like all flattened and cooked and orange. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell? I'm, the thing is, I'm sure it tasted, I'm sure it tastes great. But we saw that there two nights in a row, the same one. So that was a bit weird. And also they have lots of shark's fins. Shark's fin soup is really popular and they have all these shark's fins, which I understand is a bit controversial because, um, you know, they are apparently endangering the, the lives of certain sharks because they pull the sharks out, cut the fin off and just put, just throw the shark back in but anyway shark's fin soup is a is a is a typical thing they do so we enjoyed some of the street food and walked around the crazy markets and stuff and that was good and uh what else we also enjoyed some of the restaurants and we we went to some really nice restaurants in fact they have uh lots of very good japanese food in thailand there's a whole sort of um, japanese village with all these different japanese restaurants and also in other parts of the city great japanese food and we found this place called daimasu which i'm going to recommend to anyone going to bangkok uh you've got to check out daimasu it's brilliant and it's like a little japanese izakaya 
uh, with barbecues on the tables. Now, when I used to live in Japan, that was one of my favorite things. They call it yakiniku, which is um, like, you know, basically a barbecue on the table. In Korea, it's also really big. Uh, what do you call it in Korea? Oh, Korean barbecue. You know, you have like bulgogi and stuff like that. I had some in California in San Francisco last year and it, it, my head exploded because it was so good. So we found this Japanese barbecue place and uh, both of our heads exploded again because it's just amazingly delicious. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they've done to the meat or exactly what kind of meat it is, but it just tastes absolutely incredible. Um, you'll have to take my word for it, but just imagine the most tasty, most succulent piece of meat and you cook it on the barbecue in front of you. And when you've got it exactly right to your own specifications, you take it off the barbecue, let it cool down, maybe dip it in some sauce and eat it. And the explosion of, in of vibrant taste that you get from it. I mean, honestly, the meat is, is not very lean. There's quite a lot of fat in the meat. And I think it's that. It's, it's this incredibly tasty beef uh, flavored uh, fat and cooked slightly burnt meat in some places it's just absolutely delicious so you've got to check out Daimasu and the staff at Daimasu were so sweet uh, we we went there on our first night and I drank oh god it must have been about three or four beers they just went down like like glasses of water uh, because we you know come off the flight it was about something like 20 hours from door to door with a connection in Delhi, you know, like eight hours or nine hours into Delhi. Uh, we had to wait in Delhi airport for four hours. While in India, they celebrated their Independence Day and there were lots of people dancing around, banging drums and celebrating Independence Day. Independence from, from Britain, of course. So I was a little bit sheepish walking around uh, at Delhi airport while uh, everyone was celebrating uh, their independence from the British. And I was like, oh, well done, covering my passport. Um so anyway, uh, yeah, 16 hours and then we, something like 16 hours or more, and we were knackered and we're like, oh, we found this place. And the beer, the Japanese beer is just the best beer in the world. I love English ales and Guinness and stuff, but I think if I want a refreshing uh, lager, then it's got to be Japanese beer like Kirin uh, or Asahi, uh, Asahi um, and served in a frozen glass because that's the thing they do. They keep the glasses in the freezer and then they pour the beer into a frozen glass and there's nothing as refreshing and, and wonderful as that after you've just stepped off something like a 20-hour you know, journey. Um, oh, my God. And then together with all of the other stuff, it was just incredible. Um, so, yes, Daimasu. Check it out if you're in Bangkok. Um, also, when we were in Bangkok, you know, we walked around, we did some shopping, we saw stuff like some some cool temples and things, uh, the reclining Buddha, the usual things like that. And and uh, but also we had some massages because in Bangkok they're famous for giving. Uh, well, in fact, in the whole country in Thailand they're famous for their massages. So we thought, yeah, we'll have a few. Yeah, yeah. Again, I don't know why we're speaking like, yeah, let's have a massage. Yeah, yeah we can have a massage. So we, we uh, decided to have some massages and we checked out some good places on on uh, the internet. And uh, so my wife came up with this place, which in fact was a Japanese place, another Japanese place. And it was a kind of combined onsen with massage spa. By the way, an onsen is a Japanese word and that's a, a hot spring. It's just like a public bath where you go in and the, the water's all hot. It might be mineral water. 
and you know people sort of enjoy the 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 health benefits of lying around in the hot mineral water and it's quite common in japan and so that we found this uh, spa in bangkok and it was a japanese one so there was an onsen with all these hot baths and then there was a massage area where you can get a massage so we're like let's go there and get a massage so it was a japanese place but they did thai massage so we're like this looks like the perfect place to get our massage our first massage um but I kind of didn't realise that we were also going to do the onsen. Now, we'd agreed that we would do the onsen, right? But my expectation was that my wife and I would have like a little place of our own, just the two of us, and we'd have like a little hot bath or two. We could enjoy a little private onsen experience. And then we'd go and have our massage. Lovely. Now, what actually happened was, and I didn't realise this, but right at the last minute, so we got our towels and we changed and we we, we, we got our towels out and stuff like that. Uh, uh, no, before we got our towels on, we we kind of taken our shoes off. That's right. We moved into the uh, onsen area and we were given our towels and then my wife was sent through one door and I was sent through the other door. And then I realised, no, it wasn't going to be a private experience. It was, in fact, going to be uh, a public uh, one. So I was going to be out there enjoying my onsen experience with all the other blokes, all the other men who'd gone to the onsen on that day. And yes, that's right. Uh, you have to be completely naked. Um, so this all dawned on me. I realised all of this within a few seconds as my wife disappeared through the door. And I was like, Whoa, where, where are you going? And then I was pushed through another door. And, uh, and then it all hit me when I sort of went through into the changing rooms and I saw the onsen on one side and the changing rooms on the other side. And it kind of, the, the reality hit me. And the, weirdly, the first thing I saw I think that my brain registered the fact that everybody, all the men were naked. I think that my brain registered that before, like my subconscious registered it before my brain did, you know, because all my peripheral vision, I could just see, just oh, oh my God, everyone's naked. They're all naked. And it feels like they're all looking at me. You know, that's how it felt. That was the first thing. And then uh, I went to go to the changing room. The first thing I saw a, uh, a midget, a bald, naked midget walked out of the changing room. Um, now, I've got nothing against midgets, dwarfs or small, you know, smaller people or anything like that. But it's just the immediate sort of uh, thing I saw. And it, it was just like um, a bit surprising that, that not only was was it a midget and I don't you don't see many midgets, but he was completely naked. And it was like, what the fuck? It was a bit like that. It was like, what the hell? Where's my wife? Why is it? Why am I in a, a room full of naked men who appear to be looking at me? And now, I'm, now a ma- naked midget. What the hell's going on? And then I, I was like, okay, just get a grip, Luke. Don't be weird. That's not fair to midgets. Don't talk about midgets in that way. It's not fair to them. And I was like, okay, get a grip. Sorry, sorry to, to have offended anyone, but it was just a shock at the time. So I was like, oh god, I've got to. I'm going to have to get naked. This is going to be embarrassing. Um, so I went into the changing room. So I was like, oh God, taking bits of my clothing off and putting it in the locker. And I put it all in the locker and then I was like, well, here, here we go. So off came the pants. And, uh, and I thought I'll just tie a towel around me. I'll tie a towel around me. Cause in, uh, you know, in England as a man, you can be naked in public as long as you're not naked. Okay. You can be naked under clothes. That's okay. You can be naked underneath a towel. 
That's the only way you can really be naked in public, even when you're in a private spa with a lot of other strangers and, you know, no other, no women around. Still, you can be naked with a towel on, basically. And I thought, I'll tie my towel. No, I wasn't allowed to. You have to I had to leave my big towel in the locker. And I was given a tiny little towel. It wasn't even, a, it was more of a hand towel. So I was given a hand towel, which didn't fit around me. I tried to wrap it around myself and it basically got from the middle to the other middle. So one whole leg and a lot more was was very, definitely very visible. So I had to sort of like, oh, it was an embarrassing moment. I had to sort of walk in with the towel sort of dangling. Just I'm just holding the towel here as I walk through the room. You know, nothing to see, nothing to see here. I'm just just casually holding a towel. Um, that's how it was, like letting the towel dangle down. I'm just holding it here. Hello, good morning, everybody. Um, so, yes, yeah, so this is my onsen experience, okay? So we went to the onsen, which I think should be named, they should rename it the Dick Comparison Club uh, or the or the, the, the Dick Comparison um, Society or something like that because that's how it felt to me, all right? So... Let, I'll paint the picture. So I've just walked out of the changing room. I had a little shower and I've now walked into the, I've just sort of approaching the entrance to this large onsen area. So there's about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine baths, quite, some of them quite large in the main area in front of me. Off to the right, there's a bit with the slightly outdoors and there's another couple of baths there. And there's a group of old guys sitting around these baths in chairs, just naked, um, and there's people dotted around in the other baths everywhere. Around to my left, there's a, uh, uh, what do you call it, a sauna, a hot room, and I think there's another area as well, which I can't see. And all these people there, uh, a bunch of other naked guys, and I just walked in, like, with my towel, hello, hello, everybody, and I swear to God, the, the bunch of old men who are having a conversation a naked conversation. They, when I walked in, they actually broke off their conversation in order to all of them turn and look at me. So they were like, "Yeah, blah 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 blah." It's a, it was a bit like you know that moment in a cowboy movie when someone walks into the saloon, you know, and the music stops. There's a guy playing the piano, ding 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 ding, and he turns around, and everyone stops and turns around. And then the music starts again, ding, 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 ding. And, you know, then one of those moments, it was exactly like that. They actually stopped their conversation. They were like, and I'm like, oh, oh shit. Uh, I'm the only foreigner here. I'm the only Western guy here. And I, and, and so what happened then is a number of different cultural and personal factors came into play, which meant that I felt deeply embarrassed and, and uncomfortable, all right? And I'm going to try and go through these different things, these different factors that led to me not enjoying the onsen experience at all. Okay, so the first thing was that I was the only foreigner there, and maybe I was just being paranoid. In fact, may, this entire story could be summed up with, maybe I was being paranoid, but... But maybe I was being paranoid, but I couldn't help thinking that all of these local guys you know, they were quite happy to have a look at a foreign guy. Like, ah, oh, foreign bloke. Let's have a little look. See here. We, you know, they probably all thought, well, you know, I know what I know. What Asian men look like. I've seen, I am an Asian man and, you know, I, I know what they look like. But here's a Western man. Let's have a little look. And I think that every individual in the room made that decision on their own. 
So they didn't all sort of agree, when he comes in, let's all look at him and make him really embarrassed. I don't think they agreed it in advance. I think that each individual person came up with that decision on their own. And they're like, oh, I'll have a quick look at the Western guy, just for a second. I'm sure no one else is. This will be discreet. But the impact, the effect was that everyone looked. Maybe I'm paranoid, but that's how it felt. Um, also, being naked in a situation like that's not normal in my culture, as I've said. Um, you know, you might get people getting undressed in changing rooms in a sports centre, football teams. They might get naked sometimes, which I think is it's a bit weird, you know, when rugby players all bathe together naked at the end of a game after they've spent the time rolling around on the ground with each other, putting their hands between each other's legs and things like that. Um, but anyway, it's not normal in my culture to, to, to appear naked in, in, a, in a semi-public situation like that. So those are some of the reasons why I felt embarrassed. Now, I did feel embarrassed, but I probably didn't need to. As I said, I was probably being paranoid. But why did I feel embarrassed? Now, first of all, it's not, it's not a question of my size or anything like that, you know? That's not a problem because um, I've got nothing to be ashamed of in in that department. Um, some might even say that I'm gifted. I, I would prefer to say that I'm just average for a guy of my height. Uh, but I should point out that I have massive hands and feet. But um, no, I, no need to be ashamed. But this was very awkward for me because I'm just not used to being seen in that situation. And also, already, I'd only been in Thailand for a couple of days. And you know, when you go to a new country and you're walking down the street in a totally new place, you get that feeling like, oh my God, I, I'm so different. I stick out like a sore thumb in this environment. I was already a fish out of water. And imagine that awkwardness, but then with all my clothing removed. That's that's what I was going through. So, you know, uh, I don't, as I said, I don't need to be ashamed of myself, but this was very awkward because I'm not used to being seen. And the natural response is to be self-conscious about your size, even in front of other men. Now, I don't know who you are listening to this. I don't know what you know about these things. But, you know, you might not think that a man would think it's important what other guys think. You know, but to be honest, before this happened, I'd never had to rationalise it before. And the fact is that even though there are no women there, it somehow still matters. It's somehow still important. Size apparently is important for most guys. I think it's just something that we have. Uh, even when it's other guys. And I can't really explain it, all right? So, of course, I shouldn't be bothered at all. But, you know, I have to remind you, I'm English, okay? And it's just not part of our culture, uh, really. I mean, it's, you know, some European nations, they like to let it all hang out, don't they? You, you get these nudist beaches in some parts of Europe and stuff. But in the UK, we're generally a bit more like, no, I think I'll just keep my trousers on, thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, we're a bit more like that. Um, we don't ever get naked in public, really, except at a sports club, and then it's brief, or maybe if we've had enough drinks, which is the most, you know, to be honest, that's the thing you can say about the English, which is like, well, we don't really do that. No, we wouldn't. That's that's considered to be impolite and unacceptable, unless you've had a lot of drinks, and then it's absolutely fine. Um, that's how most things occur, actually, in the UK. In fact, I think that's how most sex happens. I think that's how people hook up in England. That's probably accounts for the births of most English people. It's probably just, you know, a drunken night that ended up in 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 some sort of, uh, you know, sexual liaison, which then was wiped from the memory with a hangover. That's our relationship to that sort of thing. Um, so, um, it's just part of our culture. We um, uh, Also, for some reason in that situation, it feels like you're being judged. 
And I did, I did feel judged in that situation. I felt incredibly self-conscious. And I certainly think that people were looking at me more than they would normally look at a person. Now, as I said, maybe I was being paranoid, but people honestly were not shy about having a look at me. All right. Like, for example, the old guys all stopped their conversation to have a look at me. Other people turned their heads. Um, and so the general impact there within the first few seconds was nerves, nervousness. Uh, uh, people are looking at me. You know, uh, OK, I'm being judged on my my private parts are being scrutinised. Um, and um, let me tell you something, all right? I don't know if you know this. Ladies, I don't know if you're aware of this, but... When, you've, when you're nervous, all right, when you're suffering some, from stress or your, your flight response is triggered, uh, for example, you feel under threat or you feel nervous, that can have a natural effect on the body. Now, the, natural, the body's natural response in that situation is to protect itself, right? Do you see what I'm saying? And that means that, for example, certain... You know, you, 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 uh, you subconsciously you take a more defensive posture and even parts of your body can, um, for example, uh, become slightly smaller in order to protect them from potential attacks when you're nervous. All right. So that's what I'm saying, that there was that natural body response. So my, my solution was to immediately leap into a jet bar. I didn't actually jump in. I sort of like walked across the the, the area and I was like, there. I, I looked around, it was like, there's a bath with no one in it. Go, 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 go. So I kind of like casually walked across. I'm just walking across. I'm, I'm Roger Moore. I'm just walking across to this, uh, this bath down here. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. So I went into the jet bath and I just stayed in this jet bath for about 25 minutes, just frozen in the jet bath, not relaxed at all. Everyone else is like really relaxed in, in their hot baths. And I'm just sitting there like this, you know, like, I'm, like I've just escaped from prison or something like, you know, like that, really not comfortable, not, not enjoying it. Sitting there trying to look comfortable but not at all, with my neck jammed up against the corner of the, the thing, like, you know, uh, good morning. <laughs> no, yes. Mm-hmm. Morning. And, um, you know, with, like, with my leg sort of casually lifted slightly, my other leg lying down, my other leg casually lifted, my arm resting on the leg. Yes, I'm just lying here. And just, hello, I'm an English man. Yes, I, yes, I came in here by mistake. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, yes, I, I came on holiday by mistake. Um, here I am. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, well, what can you do? Anyway, you know, it was a bit one of those situations. I stayed in there for about 25 minutes. I was boiling hot. Lit- I was literally boiling. Okay, I don't know if it's that the people are normally used to those temperatures because they go to the club often. The first time for me. I was hot enough outside before I got in the water. I was like, oh, God, I don't think I can take this. It's too hot. Whew. Has anyone got any water? And then I got into this uh, hot spring, which was, I think, uh, boiling. T- I think it was 100 degrees centigrade. Uh, I literally was boiling in it. Um, and I was lying there. And honestly, one by one, the guys, different guys came over to the adjacent bath, the bath next to me. One by one, people just came over to that bath and they walked over. And every time they walked, they had a little look at me before they got in the bath. It's like a little guy, a guy came in. Oh, I'm thinking I'm going to go into that bath. Hello. In the bath. Everyone did that. 
And so I was lying there going, for fuck's, for fuck's sake, what is this? What is this? Like, uh, Britain's got talent. Um, and um, so I sta- stayed in there uh, for 20 minutes, not knowing where to look. You know, I didn't know where to look. I was just like staring into the middle distance, you know, just uh, looking at my hands, staring there, examining my hands. It was awful. I didn't enjoy it at all. <laughs> Although it was a beautiful place, really beautiful place. Uh, but it was it was really quite embarrassing. So um, I thought after 25 minutes in the, ste- in the jet bath, I was like, I can't take this anymore. I need to go to another uh, bath. I'm going to have to break, make a break for it because I can't just come and sit in the corner for an hour and then leave. You know, that's just useless. So I've got to try at least to move to a different bath. So I was like, right, I, I, I examined the bath with the least people in it. I was like, right, make a beeline for that bath. So I came out of the bath. Well, I'll just keep the towel here as I walk across and then phew, straight into the next bath. And the next one was a, um, well, the, there, was, there was one that was close to me, which I considered going into, but that one was the cold bath. And I thought, no, there's no way of going in that. No way. Um, and it's not because I don't like the cold. In fact, I would love to go in. I need to cool down. But, you know, if, I, if you thought nerves were enough of a problem on your, your, your private parts, then cold water, forget about it. So I was like, there's no way I'm going in there. I don't want to emerge looking like a eunuch. No thanks. I'm going to stay hot. So I went for the soda bath. They have this thing called the soda bath, which apparently is uh, very high in carbon dioxide. Okay, so it was like a, it was like sort of, um, it was a bit like bathing in fizzy water, something like that, full of carbon dioxide, and you lie in the in the thing, and again it's boiling. I mean, it's 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 designed to kill people. I think that's how hot it is. And little bubbles appeared all over my skin, you know, and it was like, I was like, I'm boiling in fizzy water. This is very strange. Apparently, it's very good for you. There was a little sign on the wall written in different languages, including English. And it said, you know, this is a soda bath, which has high levels of carbon dioxide, which apparently that that um, is good for you because it, it the high levels of carbon dioxide raise the oxygen level of your blood. I don't know how. I don't know how that happens. So is that how it works? You put carbon dioxide around the body and the blood just fills with oxygen. I don't know how that works, but it's science, I suppose. Um, and it says it, it reduces your blood pressure. I was lying. I was in there waiting for my head to explode. So I thought, right, that's enough. I'm leaving. So I made a break for the uh, exit. But I forgot to I forgot to take a shower. You're supposed to shower before you leave. But I was in, I was just like a sort of action movie, no running for the changing room. I forgot to shower. So I came out in my dressing gown, my Japanese yukata dressing gown thing, uh, to meet my wife for our massage. And she was sitting there, just a perfect vision of calm and peacefulness. She was all dry and she looked, you know, radiant. And I'm like this sort of hunted sort of, uh, I don't know, like a, I'm like some sort of homeless hunted man dripping with sweat in some old uh, dressing gown, like, you know, like a kind of a wounded uh, samurai or something, like, you know, who's been living in the forest for three months. I came out like that, pouring with sweat. I was a fountain of sweat sitting there uh, while my wife was waiting for me, totally dry. And she, at this point, couldn't stop laughing because she, <laughs> and also she didn't realise until three days later that I was, that I had spent the entire hour completely naked because they'd given her like these little panties and a bra 
this little sort of disposable panties and a bra. So she was fine. She spent a lovely time surrounded by all these lovely Thai women in the hot bath, whereas I was there like, you know, like, like some sort of escapee. Um, so um, we then went and had our massage uh, and uh, I finally stopped sweating. Uh, we had the massage. It was a traditional Thai massage, which is great, but it's quite brutal in some cases. They're quite powerful with their fingers. So this, I had this guy like sort of pressing on my back and I was like, you're sort of gently pressing on my back and legs. And I was like, oh, this is nice. And he started jabbing his elbow into my spine. He was like getting the elbow in the spine, jamming his fingers between my shoulder blades, you know, elbow, fingers, elbow, fingers, palm, elbows, punch, twist, bend the leg. You know, he was really going for it on my body and it was quite brutal, but ultimately it was very nice. And I came out sort of floating. I floated out of the massage parlour. Um, and that was that was wonderful, actually. It was really great. Despite the, the ridiculous experience of the onsen, uh, I did have a, a really great time. Um, and um, I mean, the most of the holiday could be summed up as, as a combination of these things. Sweating, uh, great discomfort, followed by a lot of comfort and relief, like really great physical relief and comfort. Good food, a bit more discomfort and sweating, more relief, more sweating, more good food. So it's basically going from sweating, discomfort to relief to comfort, to food, to sweating, to discomfort, to relief, to food, to sweating. You know, it's just those three things. Comfort, discomfort, sweating, and food. I could, I could have done this whole holiday as a tweet, couldn't I? I could have done the entire episode as a tweet. Episode three, three, 377, comfort, discomfort, sweating, good food, relief. That's five things. What the hell? Um, now, I think this is probably going to be the end of episode one at this point. Um, and before I do end the episode, I'm going to tell you a, a terrible joke, okay? I'm going to tell you a terrible joke. Uh, so be prepared. A joke is coming, all right? So that's the first thing you should know. Uh, am I going to tell you one joke? Yes. So this is a rude joke, um, and it's not my joke. It's just a joke that goes around sometimes. I don't know who wrote it, but I'm going to tell you it anyway. Uh, it's a little bit rude, and it's also slightly culturally insensitive uh, as well. But, you know, it's just a joke, so that's fine, isn't it? It is. Okay, right. So it, this is a story about a guy who I know. Uh, a guy who I know. Not me. No, another person I know. Uh, let's call him Jeff. Okay, so Jeff was on holiday in uh, Thailand, right? He was on holiday on his own in Thailand. He was like, you know, going around. It was a really great experience and like trying new things, being adventurous. And he was like, I think I'll have a massage. So he went to have a massage, right? And he was lying there on the massage table. The massage girl came in, gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And he was like, oh, wow, she's really stunning. She started giving him the massage and it was great. He was like, oh, this is fantastic. I'm really into this. Oh, it's amazing. I'm on the other side of the world in a totally foreign, different country. It's really adventurous. I feel totally amazing. And this gorgeous girl is giving me a massage. Who would have thought this could have happened? And um, as she gave uh, him the massage, she got more and more, she seemed to be attracted to him too. She was like flirting with him sometimes. And by the end of the massage, he was actually quite aroused. He became aroused. You know what I mean? And he, yeah, he became aroused and he started to get an erection. And he was like, oh God, oh, this is embarrassing. Oh no, oh no, don't get an erection now. And, uh, but the massage girl looked at him and she was like, oh, um, 
<laughs> uh, would you like a wank? She said in, you know, uh, her Thai accent. Would you like a wank? And and the guy was like, in that moment, he's like, oh, uh, yeah, all right. Yeah. Why not? I'm single. I'm over on in another country. I've got, you know, uh, why not? She's gorgeous. She, she likes me. I like her. We like each other. You know, fine. OK. Yeah. Yeah. I would like a wank. And apparently she went, OK, I'll, just, I'll be back in a minute. So he lay back on the on the massage uh, table. He's like, oh, this is amazing. I can't believe I'm on another country, in another country and around, uh, around the world. And uh, it's totally exotic and adventurous. And it's a story, you know, one of those crazy stories. Oh, this is going to be brilliant. And, uh, and so he lay back, you know, and he's waiting for her to come back. And uh, she came back in and um, with some tissues and she came back over to him and she said, so have you finished? That was the joke, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that was the joke. That was the joke. If you didn't get it, then you need to listen to it again. Uh, yeah. Shall I explain it? Okay, I'll explain it. Even though we know that explaining a joke is like dissecting a frog. Um, and the point is that, uh, okay, you might learn something, but the frog dies in the process. So the joke is going to die here in the process. And there's no way that if you didn't get it, if you didn't find it funny the first place, in the first place, you're never going to find it funny in the explanation. This, this is the way that jokes work. You have to get them first time. If not, it'll never be funny. But anyway, I'm going to explain it. So he thought when she said, would you like a wank? He thought that she was offering to give him a wank. Okay. By the way, a wank is a rude word. Okay. It's a very rude word. And uh, to wank is to masturbate. Okay. To pleasure yourself with your own hand. And you can also wank someone else as well if you want to. And they want to. Uh, only in those conditions. So when she said, would you like a wank? He thought that she was going to give him a wank. And what she actually meant was that he could wank himself. So when she came back in, he was expecting her to go, okay, let's start. Right, let's start. But she actually said, so have you finished? Yeah, there it is. Okay, I think that's a, that's a suitable moment to finish this episode, this part. So on that bombshell, I'm going to finish the, the episode here. Uh, but listen to part two, which should be available soon. There will be more dodgy jokes... Um, and more stories about uh, uh, my recent holiday in Thailand, including other things that we did in other parts of the country, like Chiang Mai and Koh Samui. Um, some stuff about the yoga that we did there. Also, some mouse news at the end of the episode, and then that will be it. So I expect this will be a two-parter. Thank you very much for listening to uh, part one. It's great to be back on the podcast. I sincerely hope that you've enjoyed listening to this one. Uh, I look forward to reading your comments and stuff that you can post on the, uh, the website. Just find the page for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to Luke's English Podcast. You can do that either on iTunes or some other podcasting software. But also, go to the website and enter your email address to join the mailing list, and then you'll get an email in your inbox every time I upload a new episode and that will be the quickest way that you can get to the page for the episode where you will find transcriptions and vocab and other bits and pieces. Okay, so I'll speak to you again in part two but for now it's time to just say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information visit teacherluke.co.uk
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.